Previously on the Adventure Zone, the tendrils retract and they pull that entire plane and pulls it into the hunger itself. And the diameter of the hunger you see just just ever so slightly expands. I have a thing called Zone of Truth. Okay. Merle casts Zone of Truth. <laughs> my, my brain feels like it's tingling. I cast Zone of Truth. Whoa. Hell yeah. Yeah. I know, I know, this flashback's been going on forever. But you might find this one illuminating. It's the Adventure Zone. The seven of you are now on the 30th cycle of your journey, and um, the world that you find yourselves in this time is a, a rich one. It's, it's full of um, dozens of different civilizations and thriving cities and nations, and what's kind of unique about this, this world is you've been to a few planets that are um, a, a few... Um, planes, I should say, where there's like lots and lots of people and it's very vibrant and alive. But um, the thing that sort of makes this world stand out is that all of these these different thriving um, nations and civilizations, they're all living in harmony and and peace. Um, and there's actually, there's so much stuff here. There's so much life here that you have a hard time sort of figuring out where to settle down in this world and so you wait for the light of creation to fall and you follow it um to uh one of the sort of oldest civilizations on this planet um a nation called tesseralia and you're greeted warmly in that nation's capital city and are treated as revered guests um and uh, everybody is very like accommodating to you there's like a there's a a brief period where some uh investigative agencies like look into your plight uh, as you come and sort of explain what's going on and after some time the governor of this nation attends to you um and confirms that yes they do have the light of creation um specifically it is in the possession of an institution called the first monastery um, and it is an institution that, as the governor explains it, is nearly solely responsible for the peace and prosperity that this world benefits from. So uh, about a month into your stay uh, in this world, the seven of you are brought to the first monastery where you are received by Abbas Oriana, um, who is sort of the, the uh, leader of this, the, the, the spiritual leader of this monastery, and you are given tea and food served in this spicy, delicious broth. Um, at this point, you've been traveling together for over 30 years, spending each year in a new reality, but none of you have really tasted anything quite like this before. It's really delicious. 
and Abbas, the, the, the Abbas explains that the, the monastery does indeed have the light of creation, but that she will need one of you to prove that you are able to handle the tremendous responsibility of this power before the, the monastery will part with it. And she has a particular recruit in mind. Um, after sort of getting to know you all and sizing you up, she turns so to it's, you. it's power. It's Magnus, right? She turns to Merle. She mm-hmm. says, hi, Merle. Uh, ha, ha, hi. She says that if you join their monastery for the year and serve them well and sort of show your your true colors, well, maybe not your true colors, but put your best foot forward, uh, she yeah. will relinquish the light to your party. Well, um, Can we have a second to talk this over with them? Uh, Ori- Oriana, uh, Oriana says... Um, yes, but be quick. I have other matters to attend to. Um, are there, like, vows of celibacy and shit like that? Um. <laughs> huh? What? 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 The, uh, I was about to caution him against this exact behavior, but I can see that we're chasing, you know, we're dog chasing his tail at this point. Yeah. I think just, it was gonna be is gonna be, guys. I, well, I was, I wasn't saying it's off the table. I'm just, I just want all the information. Uh, it's off the table me hearing uh, about Ori- it. Oriana yeah. says, Oriana says, um, no, there's no vow of celibacy, and also, yuck. <laughs> How about a vow of silence, or do I have to starve? Yes, vow I'm, of silence. I, yes. I have, I have a blood, blood sugar thing. I don't know if I could, like, you know, fast a lot. She says, I see, we, we don't um, require our, um, our recruits to um, re- relieve themselves of the pleasures of life, um, but we do demand um, pretty, pretty strict training. Um, so, no, you can bone as long as you show up for work the next day. Yeah, I think it sounds really cool. I, I, yeah, let's do okay. it. As, as long as I get to eat all the chow I want, right? Uh, yeah, uh, we have a, a whole team of, of cooks here, and I think you'll find yourself well-fed. Bring it on, Abby. It's Oriana, and don't. Uh, oh, okay. We'll get to Merle's thing, because this is, I, I sort of, so I've envisioned, um... Uh, we're close to like the halfway point now of, of the stolen century. And I think we're going to hit a point where things are just going to kind of hit critical mass and we're just going to have to go until we get to the end of it. But before we get there, each of you is going to have sort of a featured cycle where you're going to kind of carry some of more of the, the narrative weight as we, we're at a point now where we're going to be major in a major way, like filling in the narrative gaps of like, what does this mean? And what's this all about? So this is Merle's. Um, and so we're going to get to him last, but, um, Merle or, uh, Magnus and Taco, um, you still get to like take a turn in this world. So, um, before we get to sort of the main thing, which is Merle's training and what that means, um, and, and what's going to come out of that, um, what do you all want to do in this, in this world? Uh, well, can you give them a little more about the yeah, world? Yeah, sure. I've I mean, sort I, of envisioned know- there's this 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 world is just like very diverse and very alive, and there are um, there's not there's not much military in this world, right? I was thinking like, would you maybe go and train in this new way of fighting you've never seen before? But like, it's a very peaceful world. It is a world that is just completely at peace. So I don't know that there would what be m- much in the way of that. Griffin, mm-hmm. what about sport? 
Um, yes. Okay. That's great. Yeah. There's a, there, there's definitely a lot of sports like fill it when, when soldiers became unnecessary, like the strong needed something to do. And so there is a, uh, there's a game that, um, these, these civilizations play in lieu of combat. Um, and you, I'll, what do you, what do you want it to be, Magnus? What do you want this? Want what's this sport like look a, like? A football-esque basketball, like a combination of football and basketball. Um, uh, with you know the hoops that you have to dunk it into, but you can hold the ball and run around with tackling. Um, but very, very strict anti-violence rules. I mean, you, so no hitting. No, there's tackling, but you gotta be like cool about it. You know what I mean? Like, okay, I don't want any. There's no concussions in this game. You know what I mean? They take good care of it. There's no like spearing. There's no. You know, face masks. Like everyone is very civilized in this game. All right. So while you're like just killing time, I guess in Tessaralia, while Merle trains in this monastery, which you are not like granted access to after this meeting with with Oriana, because it's like a monastery and they have a pretty like strict closed door policy. So you're just like you get an apartment here, and um, I think a, a lot of you are just kind of like living here in the city. I imagine there's like a, a group of neighborhood kids like okay. are having a game. And I like I kind of you know join in, um, and, and and you, you know, tackle a, you tackle not, a child. No, I'm not going to hurt him. This person sees me um, handle the ball well, maneuver well, but not be aggressive towards these children. And uh, I get hired to coach a pee wee league that has been. Uh, they, it's <laughs> a lot of troubled kids. This is not the um, way I thought this was going to go. Their team, you know, everybody sees their team as a joke. No hope at making playoffs. Um, and so one of, uh, like their, you know, their moms, one of their moms is like, Hey, you, you seem like you have, could you teach our kids? Cause like the last coach quit cause it was too frustrating. And I'm like, well, I got nothing but time on my hands. Sure. Uh, and so I work with the kids and train them up and do we go to state? Hell yeah, we go to state. All right. Coach Taylor, real quick, coach Taylor, real quick. One, what's the sport? What's the sport called? Uh, rebound. Okay, the sport is called Rebound, and what is this team? The Tessaralia what's? <laughs> the Tessaralia Losers. Okay, the Tessaralia Losers. <laughs> the Bad News Losers. But then, like, right before the big game of State, he whips out New Jersey, and they say winners. <laughs> they were changing the name <laughs> of the team. Travis, give me that speech right now to these children. These children are sitting in front of you, and your star um, slammer, um, the other team, came, and they, in the middle of the night, they... Well, no, that's a little dark. These are children. Hold on. Wait, let me do. <laughs> he gets. He just gets food poisoning. But did the other kids give it to him? The other you think maybe, and they yeah. took you out. And so the rest of the losers are like, "Oh man, how we can't win a rebound without our star slammer, whose name was Gerald." Not with that <laughs> attitude, Timothy. Deborah, Deborah, come in close. Steven, scoot in. Derek, yes. Susan, you're close enough. You're good. But nah, you know what, Timothy? Two feet to the left. Perfect. Right I, there. I get it. No. Oh, wait. Come back. Come back. Come back. I Thank- was just trying to put you in my line of sight. You were too far. Oh, I couldn't see. I don't want to have to turn my head a bunch because I'm about to do big dramatic speech and uh, I don't want to have to move a bunch. Um, Listen, when I came to this dimension, that's right. I said dimension. I'm not trying here. <laughs> I wasn't expecting to teach one kid how to play a sport I didn't know, let alone 18 of you. But here I am, and you know what? 
I've done it because I'm a winner. And now, because of me, you're all winners too. Because the magic wasn't in you all along. It was in me. And I've made you the winners that you are here today, now. Uh, but, but coach, what's going to happen to hey, you? Hey, I'm not done. I'm not done with my speech. What were you saying? What's going to happen to us after you leave, coach? I don't know. You might be losers again. That's going to be up to you. I can't help you after I'm gone. All right? But don't make me look bad or I'm going to come back. <laughs> but you'd, you said you'd pay for my college. And someday I will, as far as you know. Now, as I was saying, when you get out there today, I don't want you to worry about the crowd. I don't want you to worry about the other team. I want you to worry about disappointing me. Because that's what really matters. I worked really hard to get you all where you are. Don't let me down. Or I won't save this plane when the hunger comes. What's the hunger? What? It's, well, the, uh, um, Hunger for championships. Yeah, the hunger for what, whatever that guy in the corner, the, the janitor said, uh, it's the <laughs> hunger for championships. <laughs> The one, that, the one that belligerently refuses to do character voices of any sort. Yeah, that despite guy. Despite him making his the, living that, off of doing so for 40 years. That was the years. janitor in this world, Clint McElroy. <laughs> That's right. He's folks. a loser. Do you want to be like Clint McElroy, the loser janitor kids? No. You can do it. Uh, Don't listen to him. He's a loser. Don't listen to him and his Rob Schneider from Waterboy impressions <laughs> that also don't have, don't a, have fucking a fucking character, character voice, voice because I'll care. Could um, you? D- uh, I'm here. Listen. Be quiet just for one second, kids. I'm proud of you, and I love you. Don't tell anyone I said that. Now get out there and play real hard or whatever. We Wait, can win. Are you giving them the winner's jersey, or is that not actually happening? Oh, yeah. And then I, I open up a crate, and it's like, I found these outside, and I think they might fit you. Uh, try them on. See what you think. And then that's the Are those jocks? Out. Hey, get out of here, Clem Aggroy. <laughs> <laughs> You were fired two weeks ago, and you know it. All I do, I clean up, I sweep, I mop, and this is... You also embezzle. Get out of here. You're an embezzling janitor. What? Now, anyways, kids. Okay. Here's some jerseys for you. Put them on. Go out there and make me proud. Thanks, coach. They they put them on, and I have no... I, I need help... I have no idea how to rectify this because I think there needs to be a role to determine whether or not they win the big game because that feels important to me now in this moment. But I don't know if it's you rolling plus body Griffin, to determine like what look kind in of your heart. Look in your heart. Do they win the big game, Griffin? Um, no, you're going to have to roll for this dog. It's this. Do is- you really want to risk these 18 kids not winning the big game because of your stupid mechanic, Griffin? Yeah, I think I do. Um, or I okay. <laughs> uh, here's here's where I'm at. I don't know if it should be plus body, which represents like you actually physically training these kids and like how well they respond to it, or plus plus just like plus heart, like how well you did. I, it I think this... it should be plus body, Griffin. I think this is. I think I think you could say plus body. I think there's a good case to be made here because you're physically training okay, these kids. So roll then roll it's that. It's a ten. Okay. If you because if you had made me do heart, I w- it wouldn't have been a complete success. Um, with a ten. It is a decisive victory. Who are they playing? Uh, I don't know what other play. The Huntington locomotives. Okay. The Huntington blizzards. (laughs) Sure, they were fighting the Huntington locomotives. Let's go with that. Um, And the short-lived arena football team for our hometown. Um, and how about now? That's a, we've that's stretching it a little bit too far. Um, Magic Town is the name of the, the the town that they are fighting. 
much, much the better. Magic Town much Bullies. Better. Okay, yeah, the Magic Town Bullies just get creamed, even though they had the bigger budget. Um, and a better dojo. A better dojo to, like, train in. Um, the the uh, Tessaralia winners now uh, crush them. Now, here's them. the thing. You might, you might ask yourself, did the Tessaralia winners win by playing a very straightforward by the book game? No. No, they <laughs> I didn't. Don't think so. There was whimsy and trick plays. Oh, like you couldn't even imagine. Picture it in your head. It's even more whimsical than that. The ba- there were balls hidden in sleeves. There were oh. there was like look over there's guy with a mustache in the stands. What? Turns out that that guy with the mustache was the player. It was crazy. Um okay, for this nasty game I mean, it's a nasty. It's not nasty, Griffin. It's just not by the book. It's, they're playing like no one's ever seen. They're not cheating per okay. se. Uh, I'm going to give you plus two bond as you celebrate with the most wonderful pizza party afterwards. Um, and these these kids are just in in love with you, and you've just like, man, you just changed their lives. Um, and I don't know, goose goose aside from one minute is it kind of, is it kind of tough knowing like, oh man, in a year. These kids, um, this town is going to probably, I mean, I, I, either it'll be consumed by the hunger or best case scenario, it might be a little rough for them when the hunger arrives. Um, just to like put a bow as, on this. As a reward for winning, I'm going to take you all on a camp out far, far outside of the city limits. Uh, okay, we can say that you can do that close to the close to the end um, and you get all the, the requisite permission slips. Um, and your parents are going to go with us and all of your pets and your favorite belongings too. this South. How about me, coach? Your friend, the janitor. No janitor. Get back in your prison cell. (laughs) This sounds like a whole big production. Are you, we have to bring our pets. Hey, you earned it. You're winners now. And bring any important documents like legal documents. (laughs) Um, anything you want to make sure you have with you. To establish new lives. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, Taco. Uh, I think this is the first world we've been to where Taco would want to, where the culture would be such right. that he would really want to get down on the local cuisine. Yeah. So I feel like I want to spend this year like just sort of getting reacquainted with cooking and sort of seeing what the local flavors are like and uh, and sort of immersing myself in that. All that broth. I was. You want to try? Yeah, that broth. I was really hoping you would go in this this direction because, like, yeah, this is the most culturally rich world um, that you have been to, and food is like a huge element of that. And it's just like um, you cooked a lot while you were in in your in your home world um, before you went on this journey. And Loop did too. I think Loop comes comes with you, like on most of this, like. Um, Eaten quest because when she had that broth, like I think your eyes met and you had this like unspoken moment of like, oh shit, um, and and so you do go around and you eat all of this food that you've never really eaten before and learn about all these new like flavor profiles and like you, I, I don't know if you've ever had umami before, but that's like real big here. Um, mm. and there's also like and a lot sequel to mommy. There's also a lot of like spicy flavors and. Um, it, it, yeah, I think it gets you into cooking. What do you want to, like, what do you want to do? Do you have any sort of, like, beyond, like, just going around and eating a bunch of food? Are you, like, wanting to, like, train up your cooking and work on getting better at cooking? Maybe. I don't, I mean, it depends on what is available here. Um, I kind of want you to roll for this, but I think that role is just, like, you learning, like, because there's, 
thousands and thousands and thousands of restaurants here and i think a plus mine role would just be like you finding out what the best stuff is like finding out like where's the mm. where's the best obviously like there's the places with a good yelp review or whatever but like what's like the secret best shit to go get yeah right uh let's see here got a nine and I don't. Do you want to spend an asset to upgrade that ticket? Uh, I I will spend my one asset Whoa. to make it a ten. Well, you don't have to do that. No, I, got I want lots to. I want around to. here. Okay, fine. Yeah, I use my asset to give him a ten. Uh, okay, you have to tell me what that asset is and how it like helps him find the good food here. He gives him his copy of Zagat's. <laughs> it is a uh, it is a mortar and pestle that I carved out of a very large piece of coral. Uh, which allows the holes in the coral allow the air to get into whatever you're grinding, moral and pestle, and that will help him get the subtle flavors out of the different spices okay. that he's researching. Um, I think you do that, but more importantly, like you, I think the way that that asset is sort of spent is you find this like street guide who is like really plugged into the culinary world, uh, who like t- talks to you about. Um, talks to you about some of this, uh, to, to, like culture here, and like takes you to some of the best restaurants. But like the chef community here is very insular and doesn't just like want to let in some rando from another uh, dimension. Um, but uh, he eyes this mortar and pestle and says, if you give it to him, he'll take you to the the best restaurant in this entire world that will change your life, and um. Uh, it'll plug you into this community in in just a really complete way, and you will learn things you could never even imagine about food. Yeah, now be careful with it. I really treasure it. Uh, okay, you hand it over, and he, th- this guide is like, says, uh, I'm going to get those good spices out of this one, that sea salt flavor. Mm-mm-mm. You got no idea what a treasure you're giving up here. This thing was made by a friend with a lot of love, I can tell that much. Mm-mm-mm. Oh yeah, it's really paining me. Anyway, were you going for a Bourdain thing? There? Um, I don't know what I was going for there. You are taken. You and Loop are taken to a restaurant that is like in the the basement of another restaurant, and sure enough, it's like just chefs here, and like you guys are, you you and Loop are both like good at cooking, but this is like they are on some next level shit. Um, and I think the thing I want to get out of this scene is. You, you eat this, you eat this dish, taco, and it's not a taco, but it is like, it's spicy and it is like, it's really spicy and it is um, savory and it is delicious and you've never had anything like it before and it is absolutely the best, the best thing you've um you've ever eaten it's kind of like an open-faced sandwich situation almost with like this um uh spicy sauce and like this really creamy puree um sort of on this on the side of it uh that has like this uh this like sort of uh nutmeg like substance grated over it and it is like it is this Mm. flavor profile that you have never quite tasted and how much like obviously taco and, and loop do a lot of cooking but like how much like invention of meals do you do you do i feel like i've had to get relatively creative in the past 30 years because i've i've had to deal with whatever i've had access to so i feel like ingenuity is kind of a strong suit i don't know how to describe this but as you eat this dish you feel this like you feel a 
pulling at, at something inside of you. And you don't know what it is because in a way it's intangible, but at the same time it's, it's real because you can feel it. The moment you eat this meal, the moment your mind starts reeling with all of these new culinary possibilities, a bond is created. And imagine like a long thread with one end tied around you and another tied around a person, a moment. When people talk about destiny, this is the kind of thing that they talk about. And you you feel it now because there's so much power in it, Taco. And whatever's on the other end, whoever, they feel it too. And it you, you feel it the entire time that you're eating this dish. And as you like, you just kind of like come to your senses and look down and your plate's empty because you just finished. And Loop is like, Taco, did you hear me? What? What? What happened? Where am I? Um, We're in this r- restaurant. This is fucking unbelievable, right? Yeah, it's that's the word for it. Unbelievable. And I think just like at times when you're not doing something and you're not running away from the apocalypse and you're not, uh, you know, fighting off the, the horde of darkness in the quieter times when you don't have much else to do, you just think about this dish and you think about that feeling of like something waiting to be unlocked um, <laughs> and... I don't think it like it's not it's not tormenting you. It's just like it's just there and it's inside of you and you uh, reminisce about it. And I think maybe you try to recreate this dish from time to time and you can do it fairly well. But it's not the dish you want to. It's not the dish you want to make. Um, yeah, it's like a dream that I just bar- I just woke up and I could just barely sort of remember. But every time I grasp a fragment of it, it dissipates in my hands like sand. Um, wow, that was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Let's say this this role represents your like um no you know what you found this restaurant with that good mind role and I think just also just in this one night you learn more about cooking than the 30 odd years that you've been on this this journey um so go ahead and take plus 2 experience Nice uh and Merle let's get to your thing Um so Merle you have been you have been training you spend this year training um here at the first monastery and uh, you, you've been living at the monastery, and that has maybe been a little bit uncomfortable, right? Like, you don't really know anybody there except for the abbess who um, sort of pitched you this deal that she would give the light if you if you trained under her. Um, and it was a pretty slow start. Like, a lot of just meditating in a room for, like, days and like carrying buckets of water to prove that like you are uh patient um and i guess i can like leave that up to you like what kind of what kind of spiritual training do you think merle kind of underwent in this um in this monastery i think he did a lot of looking within Mm. i think he i think he used his third eye to look deep deep into the maelstrom that is his soul Shit. and found himself wanting. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. All right. A lot of introspection and, um, and reading. Would there be reading? Yeah, sure. There's lots of books and lots of reading. I mean, this is a, this is a world of just like full blown harmony. And so like all of these cultures sort of, um, it's it's not uncommon to like go into a library like the one in the first monastery and find literature and 
um, you know, textbooks and uh, poetry and all kinds of uh, like arcane tomes from like all these different cultures who are kind of, uh, you know, sharing sharing with each other to create like a, a, a richer uh, uh, you know, civilization for all of them. And so, like, yeah, there's books in here that are just, like, they're unbelievable. Um, and you also, I think, eat, like, eat some great food here, too, uh, at the First Monastery. I think they, like, take pretty good care of you here. Uh, and martial arts, too. I mean, I assume I'm I'm learning, you know, training my body. Um, yeah, fuck it. Why don't you, uh, why don't you roll plus body real quick? I think there, there, because there is sort of a, I think a, uh, like physical training component to what oh, uh, you do. Time out. Dad's making a jerk off motion at me, so I no, it's his a, dice. I forgot to grab my dice. Can get I, your dice then. Can I use your dice? He just no, because we're not going to do this whole thing. He, he just needs two six sided dice. You don't use another player's dice. What are you talking I know, about? He'll get his old man. It's two six sided dice. Just go crack open Would you a monopoly drive box. another man's hog. All right, wait a minute. So what am I rolling? Plus, dice. Bo- plus body. Plus body, okay. That's a five and a two and a minus one. Whoops. All right, Whoops. so you're not Little. Yeah, you're not so good at I was gonna give you an experience opportunity here, but I don't I think that you're you're you just to never fair, really pick up have, you did give him an experience opportunity. It's just not one that you managed to capitalize. Right, on. exactly. <laughs> We call that a stop opportunity. We you got a stop opportunity. And so like you prove that you're not so good at the the physical stuff. And actually the abbess is like a little bit concerned that maybe you're you don't have what it takes to like be a part of this monastery, but like all of this introspection and quiet sort of reflection that you're capable of doing shows like a profound sort of stillness that I think is what earns you the trust here at the monastery. If I may, I don't want to fill in story from Merle, but I picture a scene where like there's, you know, a teacher sitting down to instruct him on like the art of meditation in search of inner peace. And the instructor's like explaining to him that it can take a lifetime to find it. And after like 45 seconds, Merle's like, okay, got it. Yep. Pe- yep. Crushed, I'm in a peaceful. peaceful. Done. I think an- another thing is like just to sort of play to your strengths. Like, there's a garden here, and you like help it grow. Maybe like that's sort of your that's sort of your whole that's that's sort of your main strength. And seeing how okay. this like garden flourishes under your care, the Abbess Oriana uh, calls you into her uh, quarters and um, explains to you what the first monastery has done. Um, and what she explains is that. The monastery and the people who train there have created a technique that they have taught to the different rulers across this entire world for decades now. And it's allowed all these different nations to find peace during times of potential turmoil. And this power, she explains, is called parlay. And thanks to the training you've undergone, Merle, and the way you've sort of proven yourself, um, you are taught this ability also. Um, and this takes like this is this is the rest of your year working one on one with the abbess as she teaches you this this ability of, of parlay. Um, and what you learn is that it allows you to summon any entity into an extra dimensional space that you create. And in this room, you are able to communicate with your with your visitor and discuss terms of, of peace and uh, sort of learn about your potential foe and in this place sort of come to an understanding with them. But in order to do so, it requires an act of absolute humility um, because 
at any time, the visitor, the person that you call into this space to talk about peace can harm you or kill you, um, which kills you both in this space and in the real world, but you have no such option. Um, you are there solely as a arbiter, as a peacemaker. You are humbly waging your life in an effort to cease conflict between yourself and a rival. Um, and so the different nations have been using this technique for, for years to um, meet with their enemies and discuss terms of, of peace with them um, in this place where they could be killed at any second. And in humbling themselves like that, uh, they are able to to find sort of the, the peaceful accord that this world has come to. Um, and Griffin, so is, you, is it possible that this might come up again sometime in the future? It's about to come up in the next 10 seconds. Oh, okay. Um, and we have to we have to do it naked, right? Um, that's up to you and your lord. <laughs> um, yeah, it could it could be maybe if you want. Sometimes people draw the things that we say with our mouth. That's the other I'd thing. Rather, this not be something that we okay. Not naked. Not naked. Pants. Uh, pants. Pants only. All right, that's fine. Um, and so you make it to the end of this year, and you are called to the abbess's quarters once again and when you get there the rest of the uh the the crew is is there also waiting for you um and this is sort of your graduation merle um and in order to get the light you will need to use the power of parlay right now to make peace with your rival and um, thinking about it and sort of, I think you get some pressure from Davenport and, and Loop and Barry. Um, they see this as an opportunity to talk to the hunger, to find something in there that you can con- converse with, with parlay and try and find peace um, because you haven't been able to outrun it or escape it or kill it. And, and so maybe this is, maybe this is the option. Um, and so that is the request that is put before you. This feels like Michael Jackson's bad video. In what does way it? does it possibly Wait, feel what? like what? Bad? Is it? Do you mean remember the time? Is that it? Is that what? Or the smooth criminal? It's the it's the worst video. Oh yeah, with made. the when they're in the Egypt and yeah, the that's his bad. Video. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of the the one where they're dressed up like uh, pharaohs. Yeah. No, that also video. doesn't track. Hold on, none of this. No, tracks. none of this really makes sense. This maybe it's like it, thriller. Hey. Hey, whose adventure is this? I mean, right now it's Merle's. All right, I'll uh, <clears throat> let me prepare myself for parlay. Keep in mind, I, w- I want to make sure the rules of this are clear. Um, you do this, and this power allows you to basically pull in somebody who you want to make peace with in this extra-dimensional space. Um, and in this space, you can talk to them and make peace with them, but at any moment, they could kill you, and you can't touch them. Um that 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 act of humility is what is sort of the the crux of that peacemaking process. So every time you use this, you are rolling the dice, so to speak. No pun intended. Um, oh God! Wait, really? There's there oh will, no! Come no. on! There's dice rolling. Come on, ditto. Uh, there doesn't need to be. So um, oh, yeah. What what do you what do you say to this proposal? What what do you guys? What do you, who do you think I ought to talk to? You know, I had that beef with that that guy, the the guy. Greg Grimaldus. You remember the guy that sold me those bad wheels? 
That's uh, I, I really hate that guy. I got beef with him. Wow, really? Did you study at UCB, Tad? You're amazing. <laughs> to be fair, to be fair, you probably should have known that bad wheels were unlicensed Hot Wheels that were going to fall <laughs> apart immediately. Bad they, wheels get the track. It said bad wheels right there on the package. Yeah, that's true. All right, who do you come? Loop, who loop, do you guys loop chimes in and says like, I wouldn't hate uh, if you did Greg Grimaldis, but I feel like that might be a wasted opportunity. Um. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. It's the it's the hunger, Merle. We have an opportunity to learn something about the hunger that we could maybe use if you if you pull them into this space and talk to them for a while. Mm-hmm. I I and mm-hmm. and just ask them questions about mm-hmm. themselves. Anything we learn about the hunger is a potential mm-hmm. tool we can use to stop it someday. Mm-hmm. Not only yeah. that, but mm-hmm. like even if you die, we just get on the ship and we fly away. And yeah. You'll be exactly. Back. So like. It's win, well, not really win-win, more like win-neutral. You know, it, it hurts. You remember that it hurts No, to yeah, die. I've done it a lot, but don't, yeah, be I a, know. don't be a, you know, coward. Come on. I left the room! <laughs> what the Taco's, hell did ta- Taco's, Taco's gone. I left the room! Boring, it got boring. It got boring. <laughs> um, apparently it got boring. So, you know what, here's, I say you do it, because if you don't, we won't get the light, and also it would make for bad podcasting. All right, um, all right. I peel off my shirt. Well, uh, <laughs> and my socks and my shoes. I left the room again. I double left. I double left He's, the room. Tacos, tacos two, two rooms, rooms away. away. <laughs> yeah, um, we're live streaming this as you're, so they can see it. As you're prepping, Barry walks over to you and he's like, "Merle, I, I, I'm. This is really brave of you, and I'm really, I'm very, I'm proud of you. I guess I, I just." Remember, any piece of information you get is something we can use. Find out what the hunger, find out what it is. Find out where it came from. Find out its 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 weaknesses. Find out why it's what's its motivation. Why is it doing what it does? Uh, find out the source. If you can find that stuff out, Merle, then we might be able to find out what we need to do to 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 kill that thing once and for all. Uh, and this might be tough for you, but. Maybe try not insulting it. Um, God. Maybe try not you're, being incredibly irreverent. Don't be yourself. You're Basically. you're taking away my strongest cards. Well. Um. All right. What do you? The only one I haven't heard from, Lucinda. What do you think? Nope. It's not her name. Lu- you know it. Come Lu- on, Lucretia. Yeah, there it is. Lucretia. She walks over and says, and she kind of kneels down and she says, Merle, I know that um, memory is a problem for you sometimes. I make you that ginkgo tea from time to time to help out, but it's imperative that whatever you learn, you bring back to me so I can, so I can write it down. Um, she says, I'm good luck and stands up. What is this? What does this look like? Like, what is, what is it? Um, when you use this ability, when you use parlay, what does it look like to like everybody else in the room as you are sort of um, spirited away to this this extra dimensional place? Um, I am. You can still see my outline, but it's like there's no color at all. It looks like an outline of a dwarf made of smoke. Interesting. I was hoping. I was hoping he would just sort of like go glassy and fall on his face. That's what I was kind of praying for. Oh, There's well. that. That could happen, oh, well. too. I like dads. You see Merle, I guess, take his shirt off and sit down on a, a comfortable pillow, sort of in the center of the room, and you watch 
as like in the blink of an eye, you just you kind of see his outline and you kind of see just this this smoke, this fog that is just sort of floating there um, where where Merle was. And it is it's more or less like static. And it's it's um, it's it's kind of weird. It's not drifting away in any way. It's just in the shape of Merle, a Merle shaped uh, cloud of fog. Merle, what you see is also like in the blink of an eye, like you are looking at this room, the Abbas's quarters, and you blink, and it's, you're in a completely different place. Um, you are sitting in a very comfortable, very um, what we would think of as modern sort of office chair in front of a long table, and you are sitting in a boardroom. You're sitting in a boardroom of, and, and it's a really fancy boardroom. You look out the uh, one of the walls, the exterior wall of this room is just like one huge window, uh, and you can tell you're really high up. You're like eighty stories up uh, in this boardroom of this massive skyscraper, and it's pretty dim in this room. But the the sunset outside is casting a a calming orange light into this room, drawing long shadows a- across this conference table. And you're seated at one end of this table, and you, when you projected this this space, when you used parlay, you were just focusing on the hunger, um, and what is sitting in this chair at the other end of the room, uh, with his back to that big window, is a a man, a human man, and he's got a fairly um, slim build. He looks to be in his like early fifties or so. Um, his salt and pepper hair is extremely well manicured and his face is smooth. Uh, he's wearing a sharp gray suit with a really stylish, narrow black tie and the most expensive pair of shoes you've probably ever seen. He looks really slick. And he, most of all, he looks surprised. It's and, Sterling Cooper. And he clears his throat and he, he tries to speak, um... But no sound come out, comes out at all. He just kind of croaks. And he tries that a few times and kind of looks exasperated. And then all of a sudden, there's a pitcher of water on the table. And he pours himself a glass and he takes a drink and he clears his throat again. And he says, um, I got to think of what this guy's voice is going to be because I'm going to be using it a bit. I'm really embarrassed because I didn't realize Sterling Cooper was the name of the agency. I and was not the agency. Yeah. Roger Sterling. <laughs> Anyways, right. I'm going to stick with Sterling Cooper, though. This... This very well put together guy says, "Okay, okay. This is this is new. Did were you the one that brought me here? Where where are we right now? This um, is uh, the parlay room. The parlor room. It, yeah, let's go with that. Uh, the parlay parlor. This is the parlay parlor." I jump into the vision. Merle, why do you sound so weird? It's the parlay parlor. There we go. And this is my character voice. <laughs> I I I would like to introduce myself. Um, yeah, what's your what's your name? High Church, Merle. Your name's High Church, Church Merle. Oh, you were doing okay. No. And and I have to ask, do you mind telling me your name? We have labels. And I assign, you know, labels just from people's actions. It's kind of a thing I do. So what actually is your name? Uh, I don't know that I feel comfortable telling you my 
name just yet. We've only met, and I, I sorry, this is really weird. I haven't actually um, been any anywhere in a while. So um, sure. Uh, how did you find me? How did you how did you pull me out? I guess. Um, I have been kind of following your career, following by leading, <laughs> I guess. Um, and I am, uh, well, I, I don't always agree with everything, but I'm uh, kind of a fan. <laughs> I've been kind of uh, uh, observing, and it's just I really want to, uh, I really want to get to know you. I think in all walks of life, it's important to know the people that you're dealing with, and so. I wanted to get to know you a little bit better. I want to get to know the guy behind the suit, behind the tie, and the really nice footwear. Uh, he he kind of chuckles. And, like, as he chuckles, he kind of, like, catches himself. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. It's, uh, I just realized I haven't laughed in a while, or I guess I haven't done anything for a while, for that matter. Uh, you're not the first fan I've had or the first one to approach me, although, it, uh, again, it's... It's been a while. Um, just to check, can I go whenever I want? I'm, I, I think I'm going to head out. This has, oh. been, this has been novel, but I can't risk getting caught in some sort of weird pocket dimension. Oh, sh- well, I, listen, I'm not going to hold you here against your will. I don't want, you know, anybody to, to hang around, but I am offering, you know, kind of a quid pro quo exchange of information. I mean, you must be extremely interested in me and... My friends, since, well, <laughs> you've been hunting us for years and years and years. I've been hunting you? He says. Mm-hmm. He, yeah. Um, I think yeah. He, he stands up from the, uh, the office chair he's sitting in when he says that. What are you, what are you talking about? Well, um, the thing is, uh, you've, uh, you've kind of been, uh, well, chasing me and my, my friends, my family, my, my team, uh, as we've kind of hopped, skipped, and jumped around to different planes. Um, and uh, so, you know, I just thought maybe you'd like to get to know the guy you're tracking down and, and actually have killed a buttload of times. <laughs> uh, he says, uh, it doesn't seem like it's taken if, if I've been killing you all these times, but... Well, I got better. Well, uh, <laughs> if if I've been hunting you, I don't think I need information. It kind of seems like I've got you right here. And he extends his hand, palm first, and you see this sort of black fire surround his hand, and you feel this incredible pain as black fire spreads throughout your body from your insides out just killing you in a second and that merle is how your meeting ended your your first conversation of many that you would have over the following dozens of cycles with the man who became the hunger Hey folks, this is Griffin McRoy, your Dungeon Master, your best friend, and your oatmeal eater, which I, I, it's not my most creative, I just ate a big bowl of oatmeal. Thanks for listening to episode 63 of the Adventure Zone, it's episode 4 in our Stolen Century arc. Um, I'd wager there's probably only a couple episodes left in, in this arc, 
uh, that's going to kind of answer all the questions that you have about everything so far and get us all caught up and ready to go for the finale. Um, but as always, I'll let you know when that finale is coming up. Um, thanks uh, to our sponsors this week, and I'm going to tell you about those right now um, after this very smooth transition. Hello, it's me, the Internet's Travis McRoy. Yes, that's right. Powerful influencer, Travis McRoy. You know, people are always asking me, Travis, how did you become such a powerful influencer in the world? Well, I'll let you in on my secret. It's Squarespace. Yes, that's right. Squarespace, the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. You can stand out with a beautiful website, engage with your audience, and sell anything. Your products, content you create, or even your time. What? What influencer doesn't do that? I ask you. I'll wait. That's right. None of them. They all do that, and you can do it with Squarespace. Okay, here's uh, just as an aside. You can also use Squarespace even if you're uh, not an influencer, um, and even if the idea of being an influencer uh, makes you throw up a little bit in your mouth. Don't worry. Squarespace is still useful. With Fluid Engine, a next-generation website design system from Squarespace, it's never been easier for anyone to unlock unbreakable creativity. With Fluid Engine, a next-generation website design system from Squarespace, it's never been easier for anyone to unlock unbreakable creativity. Start with the best-in-class website template and customize every design detail with reimagined drag-and-drop technology for desktop or mobile. With Squarespace scheduling, clients can quickly view your availability and book their own reservations, appointments, or classes, and you can sell products on an online store. Whether you sell physical or digital products, Squarespace has the tools for you. So go to squarespace.com adventure for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use offer code ADVENTURE to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. We have an Aura frame here at our house, and we primarily use it to show pictures of our kids and the fun stuff that we do. And my favorite thing about it is that it's so easy to upload pictures on that as soon as we get home from doing something fun, we just immediately put the pictures up there so we don't forget to do it. You know, because I, I've tried, we try to do picture frames and stuff in the past, and then we never remember to put them on. But with Aura, it's so easy to load it up that it has become kind of a, a digital scrapbook more than anything else. So if you have been looking to get the pictures that are trapped in your phone and set them free in a way that other people can see them, might I recommend Aura Frames. They're stylish, they're easy to use, you're gonna love it. And it was named the number one digital picture frame by Wirecutter, and for a good reason. It's so easy to set up, and they have different frame options, all kinds. And the best part is it comes with unlimited storage. So right now you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frames with code ADVENTURE. That's A-U-R-A frames.com promo code ADVENTURE. Terms and conditions apply. Chicago, we're coming to you. We're coming for you. We're coming at you. And we're also coming to C2E2, and we're doing live shows, all a bunch of stuff in April. April 24th, we're going to be doing My Brother, My Brother and Me, which is nearly sold out, and Taz, which is selling out fast. So do not wait. April 25th is Taz. April 24th is My Brother, My Brother and Me. April 26th through the 28th, we're doing C2E2, scheduled to be announced. You can get your C2E2 badges now, but you do not need a badge to attend the live shows. Tickets for those shows are on sale at bit.ly slash Tours. All the information is there. Go check it out. Also, we've got a newsletter. 
In case you've been wondering what's the best way to keep up with our new tour dates and announcements and stuff like that, go to bit.ly slash newsletter. And of course, check out all the merch over at macroymerch.com. A lot of great stuff. Fungalore sticker pack, um, naming of the year poster. Uh, we've got the little sailor man pin and 10% of all proceeds this month go to the Foundation for Black Women's Wellness. So go check it out, macroymerch.com. And now back to the show. I uh, got a few Jumbotrons here. First one is for a new strategy board game called Near and Far. Uh, you can visit www.redravengames.com slash near and far for all of the details. Uh, it's a strategy board game with an RPG feel. You and up to four friends each choose to play as one of eight heroes as you adventure through an atlas of 11 different maps in your search for the mythical last ruin. Build your party, collect treasure, and read through a book of quests, making decisions that will ultimately decide your fate. Uh, again, you can check out that game. It sounds really cool at www.redravengames.com slash near and far. Uh, also I have another Jumbotron here. This one's from Ray, the man, and it's for Eric, the man. I'm kind of confused who actually earns that honorific. Uh, Ray says to Eric, happy 21st birthday, Eric. I figured sending you a message via our fave podcast would beat last year's gift of accidentally buying myself OW. I think that's Overwatch. Uh, so here it is from Griffin himself. Thanks so much for welcoming me uh, to this awesome university the two of us now attend. And here is to all of uh, your future adventures and endeavors. Stay cool and have fun. Fist bump. I can't do that to you. I can't do that to you um, from across the the web. But also because my fist is just really sticky right now because of all this oatmeal I just ate. Uh, thanks to everybody who's been tweeting about the show using the, the Zonecast hashtag. If you do that, you might end up as a character on the show. Like Oriana Gray, uh, who is the Abbas Oriana, and Marlo Dobb, uh, who's a character that you're going to meet at the end of this episode. Um, again, there's not that many opportunities left, but um, it, we, we will have a few more names in there. But uh, mostly, I just really appreciate you just spreading the word about the show because we don't pay to advertise it at all. And the reason that it's grown into this big, awesome thing that it is um, is because of y'all. So thanks so much. Um, I think that's it. I'm looking forward to seeing everybody at the live show in Austin uh, in like two days, uh, by which I mean I'm fucking terrified and very afraid to do this live show because it's very stressful playing Dungeons and Dragons in front of a bunch of people. Um, uh, and I guess I'm looking forward to doing that again in two months for the San Diego Comic-Con folks. So uh, it's going to be a busy summer for all of us, and I'm really, really looking forward to, to all that and to... Uh, sort of wrapping up the, the, the campaign that we've got going on right here. So um, stick around, and uh, next time I talk to you, it will be June the 1st. Yes, June 1st. So uh, see you then. Bye. wake up in the next cycle and relay some of this information to everybody else and Barry seems disappointed he says Merle I'm sorry but can you try again I I know it that sounds horrible but it seems like we've got a direct line to this guy whoever he is and I think I think maybe there's another tack you can you can take here and and get some information can you can you please try try again 
Yeah, let me uh, let me change my pants and then I'm off. Um, and I, pants I, I, changed. I, I, what's your what's when you do this? Do you like wait for the end of the year to the the end of the cycle to like have this meeting with the hunger, or do you want to just get it out Ooh, of the way, I, knowing that like let's, let's let's get right back in it. Let's get right back in it. The very next cycle, you are. In that space, you are in that high-rise conference room, and this time when this man sees you at the other end of the table, he, like, stands up right away, and he says, okay, okay, interesting. It seems like you were telling the truth. Sorry about killing you before. I just, I needed to know that I could get out of here if I need to. Now I know the rules, and now we can talk, I guess. Um, And and now maybe... You have a little bit of an inkling on to how serious I am. You've heard people say, on my life. Well, that's just what I'm doing. This is on my life. So listen, you can kill me anytime you want to, but it's obviously not lasting. And I would think that if you were working so hard to kill me, you would want it to last. Yeah, that is a good point. Well, I think an exchange of information would be good. Merle, you said? Uh... Actually, I said high church, Merle, high church. But yeah, yeah, Merle. <laughs> um, he sits down and pours himself a glass of water. And says, Do you want uh, you thirsty? I don't know how this works. I don't know if you have thirst wherever we are. I'm, I'm good. I had one of those new blue Mountain Dews right before I, I came here. <laughs> now, now that we have this kind of this rapport going, now do you trust me enough to tell me your name? He says, I, I believe it. I believe it was John. It's it's been it's been so long, Merle. You have to understand. I haven't been John for a bit, but um, probably Why is that exactly for the what, sake. What of, have you been doing all this time when you haven't been John? Uh, he says, "If I've been pursuing you, or I guess we've been pursuing you, I I think you know uh, what what turned out. I I hmm, I'm in an uncomfortable position." Merle, because sure. there's something I want. There's something I'm trying to do. And I've been at it for a long time. But I would be lying if I said I wasn't bored, I guess. And he kind of crosses his fingers uh, on and, and sort of taps his, taps his fingers against the table. And he says, it's kind of nice to talk to somebody. So I think we should talk. And I'd like to learn more about your invincibility um, and I don't mind sharing a little bit about myself, I suppose, but I need you to understand that there are things that I'm going to do, and there's there's not much that either of us can do about that to, to stop it. But as long as we're here, let's talk, sure, and I'll tell the truth, as long as you promise to as well. What do you say? This can, this can be our little truth zone. What do you say, Merle? Truth zone. <laughs> I so like it. zone you've been looking for. <laughs> I like it. I have been hunting for just the right zone. Yeah, truth zone. Or we could call it the truthful zone or the zone of truthfulnessosity. Yeah, that's it. The zone of truthfulnessosity. Uh, he he actually, as you like keep going and going and going, he actually, the smile on his face kind of dissipates. And he says, um, I do need you to understand, though, that I'm not going to stay here for very long. I don't know how this works. I don't know if this is some sort of trap. This isn't a trap, is it, Merle? 
I don't think so. I think it's just a couple of guys getting to know each other. He says, so I'm, I'm going to need to take off eventually, but there's no need to think about that now. Let's have a conversation. And okay, I, get your shirt off. <laughs> he laughs and says, no. Um, the way that I want this to work is we're going to talk, but uh, roll plus heart. And you said there wasn't any rolling. <laughs> You're good at heart, though. Three and four plus two is nine. Okay. With a nine, um, you can ask John a question. You can ask the hunger a question, and he'll answer it truthfully. He is also going to ask you a question that you must answer truthfully, and both of you will have something uh, at the end of that exchange. What are you after? Hmm. Man, That's he's a bit- going right for it, huh? Yeah. He smiles and no, says... No favorite movie? <laughs> Cake or pie? <laughs> he says, that's, that a, my, that's a... That's number two and number three, thank you. He says, that's a big question, Merle. I'm after... Hmm. Well, peace, I suppose. It's, it's... 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 Oh, God, there are so many pieces to this question. I am a man, Merle, who knows the answer to the question of why we're all here. And to be frank, I didn't like it. There are laws and limitations placed on every living thing that they are never made aware of. But once you know them, Merle, once you see them, they are too cruel to bear. And so what I want, Merle, is to grow i suppose i take it that you've seen me absorb and expand in the wild i'm doing this merle not out of spite or malice i'm doing this to become larger than those limitations can contain to overtake whatever capricious creator installed those limitations in the first place that's a long-winded answer and probably more than you were looking for i just I want to grow, Merle. Uh oh, guys, he's after sick gains. I was afraid. Of oh this. no, when not a, like this. When a bro is after gains, sick gains, there's very little you could do to stop him. I'm, I'm pretty worried now. He says, Merle, um, I want to know how you keep coming back to life. Um, <laughs> I, honest to God, don't know, Merle. All right, my turn. He, no, he I extends, don't know. He extends his hand, and there's some. Fire no, wait, there. wait, says, wait, 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 wait. Hang on. There Hang are, on this there, agreement Rusty. won't work unless you tell me the truth. Also, what, uh, I, <laughs> that is honest to God, the truth. I die and poof. There's a flash of light, and there I am again. Where we've, we've chosen the perfect person for this. It's like sending a mildly ed- eloquent pinata in. I don't. Best, best of luck. <laughs> he says, "Where to get information out of this guy?" He says, "When you come back to life, where where are you?" It's like this big room, and it's on a ship. A ship? Yes. You, tr- oh, you tr- you're you traveling between these worlds on a ship? I think it's time for me to ask another question. He says, he, he looks around and now he looks kind of nervous and he says, um, yeah, I think that's going to have to wait. And he kills you. Oh. Do you come back? Heck yeah, I come back. What did I do that year? <laughs> yeah, what's, what's Magnus up to? Just we're going to, we're going to, crunches 
you're back in that room. It's another cycle. Maybe not the very next one. I guess that's up to you. But again, we're kind of dealing in abstractions. And you're back in that room. And this time, he's kind of ready for you. Like, he has two glasses of water poured. Um, and he he's there before you. And he's like, oh, Merle, hi. Welcome back. I'm sorry about the sort of unpleasantness at the end of the last <laughs> sort of meeting we had. But um, maybe we'll do Listen, better this time. John, you got it. Okay. Uh, roll plus heart. Uh, seven plus two, it's another nine. Uh, okay. You know the deal. Ask him a question, he gets to ask you one. So, um, you keep saying we, but then sometimes you say I. Um, what's, what's the deal with that, John? He, uh, says, oh, another, uh, another tough one, but I did tell you I'd answer honestly. Um, I am John, and... I am me. I I I was a human. I still am, I suppose, somewhere in here. I'm a a public speaker. I was one, a successful one, too, if memory serves. And people from around the world would come to hear my my speeches and my my message and I would delight in their adulation and I would preach understanding and the pursuit of enlightenment and the broadening of personal horizons. I'm kind of a big picture guy, Merle. And I suppose when I say we, I'm talking about everyone in here, everyone in, it's weird, Merle. I've never talked to anybody about this outside. It's usually my transactions with other people are, um, you know, adding them to my being. Yeah. Um, so I don't. It feels good, doesn't it? It feels good. Doesn't he says, it? "I've been apparently pursuing you for a while. What do you call me?" Ah, is that your question? I I don't need to know it. I I just suppose I was looking for a way to make this conversation more convenient. Um, sure. For my question, Merle, I would ask, hmm, what does your ship look like? <laughs> I should know that. <laughs> uh, you can just you can just say like I answer like we don't. Obviously, everybody listening at home has like heard this before, um, and so we don't like have to necessarily play out your side. If you just want to say, I tell them what the ship looks like. That's fine. <laughs> um, you Clint don't know, but Merle's been Merle definitely in it knows. and He's next been to okay, it many times for like. I go time. into great detail. I grab a cocktail napkin and I draw a fucking sketch for him. Okay. He's I, he's wowed by it. How's that? He takes that sketch and he says, uh, "Wow, this is great. Thanks. I don't think I can bring this out of here with me, but um, oh, sorry. I um, well, it's a visual aid. It's like you know when you teach school. He says this is really helpful. I'm going to. Uh, he looks at his watch and he says, I'm going to check in on this and I guess I'll talk to you in a year, hopefully. And he kills you. Oh, oh God. <laughs> can, can we this, check in with Merle before his next meeting with John? Sure. Yeah. You, you, I, I mean, after every cycle, like whenever you all pop back up on the ship, I think like, uh, Loop and Barry and uh, really everybody like wants to hear, like, did you learn anything valuable? And you relate to them like what you um what you have what you've learned um hey 
Hey Merle, uh, just as like a uh, tactician, I guess. Am I am I the tactical officer? I You're guess? proficient in that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe stop giving him so much tactical information about you know our ship and how we escape him every time. Just uh, suggestion. We're we're learning a lot about him esoterically, but not like weaknesses, strength, fighting. Okay, uh, I'll just say, how do I kill you, John? I'll just ask that next time, smart that's guy. That's what he's asking you. No, he's not. He's His first question was, how do you come back to life? That's how do I kill you for good, Merle? I don't know. Uh, let's get into another one. Oh, God. All right, the door opens. <laughs> hey, guys, I've been gone a whole year. What did I miss? I can't believe I spent an entire weightlifting. That's two years back to back. I'm getting pretty diesel, I guess. <laughs> Woof. I've been studying magic. I'm super good at conjuration now. And I'm good at fighting. We're best friends. Uh, you're back in that space, Merle, and... Hey, listen, John, in the spirit of cooperation, why don't you ask me first? It's always me asking first. That seems a little rude. I'm your host. You're my guest. Okay. You ask first. Uh, he says, uh, all right, uh, that's only fair, I guess. Uh, roll plus heart for me. Seven plus two. I have rolled three sevens in a row. Uh, Seven it's plus the most two. Common nine, number, statistically, the most likely number. Yeah. Uh, he says, um, "Okay, uh, I'll go first. Um, you're the ones who've been collecting the light of creation and getting it away from me, aren't you?" Yes. Hmm. I have to say, Merle, that's pretty vexing. Um, I would appreciate it if you wouldn't do that anymore. I suppose that this is not a plea that you're going to take seriously, but um, it's very inconvenient for me. Okay. Why? Is that your question? Yeah. He says, um, what I am, what do you, just tell me what you call me. It's no, going to no, make no, this no, so no, much no. easier. No, no, no. Uh-uh. Okay. I asked a question. How should I explain this? No two things can occupy the same space, Merle. But that is exactly what I am. I am a bunch of places in the same place, on top of and within and without one another. When I consume a plane, I tie it on, so to speak. Its bonds become my bonds. And that alone is enough to sustain me. Everything about that process betrays the laws of physics and mathematics and arcane interactions, and the light of creation is what makes that process possible. And he smiles and he says, I don't mean to be vain, but I must look beautiful from your perspective. All those countless worlds' bonds just streaming off of me, it must be a sight to behold. I, I need that light to uh, accomplish my goals. And when you keep it from me, it is, well, Merle, it's, I can't let it keep happening for much longer. And he kills you. Taco and, and Lupin, I think, uh, Taco, I think you're the one who does it that year, that cycle, um, after Merle goes and turns all smoky. And I think every time that Merle dies in this place, like, the smoke just evaporates, and you know. You just sweep him up. No, it's not like ash. It's just like he, the smoke blows away, and he's gone. Uh, 
that year, Taco, you're just like doing your thing. I guess weightlifting. Um, and uh, Loop wants to practice some magic just to make sure that like you guys are staying sharp. And you cast Blink. And when you cast Blink, and you've done this a few times now, um, this is the first time that you see these figures. They are these little white shapes um, about knee high. Uh, and they are just quietly watching you like they are scouting you. Um, and they've never been there before. You can't seem to interact with them in, in any way. When they see you see them, they disappear. Um, but after after Merle's first few visits with the hunger, these scouts start keeping tabs on you. Uh, let's let's actually fast forward a bit because like this is how Merle dies more than everybody else is because he keeps diving into this parlay with with John um, to try and learn more um, and. Okay. <laughs> it's it's tough i think you actually texted me a while ago saying like you wanted merle to have this um heroic death you have like 50 some odd ones <laughs> at john's hand alone um and and so this is this is um this is forward a lot this is like a lot of cycles forward and uh obviously we're gonna hop back into the place that we we were when we start playing uh the rest of the the rest of this game okay. but um you're back in this space, and you've okay. you've Johnny! seen yeah, it's Johnny been a, boy. It's been a couple dozen times. He has a chessboard set out. It, <laughs> it seems like he can kind of like make things in this space to make himself sort of more comfortable. And so you talk to him, and you're like, it's obviously there's animosity between the two of you, right? Because he's been killing you all these times, and he is this supernatural force that is pursuing you, but. He sort of lets on that, like, this is also the only time he ever talks to anybody or exists as John. And so, like, he kind of yeah. looks forward to it a little bit. He he yeah. tells you that. And so this is a conversation that you have and roll plus heart. Come on, baby. Come on, baby. <laughs> Look, there's got to be some reward for throwing four sevens in a row. Mm, yeah, uh, there is. Yeah, you get seven. You That's get out of jail free. Um, he says, "Can I?" Uh, he's. You guys are playing, and actually, roll plus mind real quick. Eight plus anything plus one is nine. Wow, unbelievable. <laughs> um, you guys get each other in stalemate, or or no? I just uh, he puts he puts you in stalemate. Um, and says, uh, "Oh shoot, I thought I had Damn. you that time." All right, I um, thought you had me too, you rascal. He says, "Do you mind if I go first? No, no, no. Go ahead. He takes a big drink of water. I, the curiosity's killing me, and I know this isn't going to be very helpful in sort of my means, but what do you call me, Merle? What do you all call me? Oh, we call you a lot of things. <laughs> you probably don't want to be repeated. Taco says you're gauche. I don't even know what gauche means. He says you're gauche. What are you? Uh, and I call you something completely differently now than I did before. He says, "Well, that's uh, that's nice to hear." But before, like, was there a name for what I am? Like, it would be you good mean before before I got to know you. Yeah, it would be good just for I guess for me to know what I am. What do you call? Oh. What do you call me? Well, I used to call you the hunger. He kind of laughs. The hunger. Yeah. He says, "Like, yeah." I kind of like that. He's yeah, a, I thought you might. Maybe a little yeah, inaccurate. What is there something you want to know, Merle? 
Yeah, there is something I'd like to know. Are you my friend? Hmm. Not what I was expecting. But very fucking good. Give me a minute. I'm reeling a little bit. The smile drops from his face. And he stands up. And I think he reaches out his hand with the fire. But he pulls it back down. And uh, he kind of shakes his head and he says, What am I doing? And he looks out the window for like a minute without talking. And he turns back to you and says, To have friendship, Merle, it requires you to love someone and be invested in your shared happiness. And these things, Merle, friendship and love and happiness, they're, they're all so small. In the grand scheme of things, Merle, they last a second. And I just don't... What brings you happiness, Merle? I know that the game is over, but what what brings you joy, Merle? Please, I uh, give me this freebie. I'm just tell me. What brings me joy is life. I think you can find joy anywhere in life. I think it's a conscious choice. I think you you choose joy. In life, and no matter how bad things are, no matter how crummy, no matter how dark, no matter how many times some guy named John kills your ass, he chuckles. You find joy. I've found joy, honest to God, getting to know you. I've found joy playing chess with you. I have enjoyed. I haven't enjoyed, you know, getting my my ass killed, but I. I find joy whatever I do. I don't always do things right, and I don't always do things smart, and I don't always do a character voice, (laughs) but whatever I do, I find joy in it, because at the end of the day, that's all you got. It's looking back on the joy you had, and the joy you found, and the joy you gave other people. Um, I think his back has turned to you for most of this, as he just kind of looks out the window, and he says... I think there was probably a time where I had joy, where I experienced fleeting happiness or anger or fear, but God, it's just been so long, Merle. I, I used to spend my days considering the nature of time and existence maybe that brought me joy once but unlike everybody else who ever thought about those questions whoever pondered the meaning of it all i and you may find this hard to believe but i solved it merle i saw the fullness of time i i pondered eternity and was the first person and only person to successfully visualize its treacherous arc. He sits back down uh, across the chessboard from you, and he says, You're a man of the cloth, Merle. Certainly you've wondered, too, about what what awaits our consciousness after death or... And he laughs. He says, What am I saying? I've given you a first-hand experience a few times in this very room. 
And he says, per- perhaps for some people who think about it, there- there's nothing but infinite oblivion, the-, the eternal erasure of your consciousness. Or for-, for some, it's eternal life in their God's glorious kingdom or eternal cycling through all the inhabitants of their world. Any of these options, Merle, any of them are just erasure or contentment or revival. Any of them are fine as abstract concepts. But eternally, Merle, eternally? You can't possibly conceive of the length of eternity, Merle. I have. It's maddening and hopeless, but it's this burden we're all saddled with from the moment of our creation. It's a finish line that, by its definition, will never arrive. It stretches forever and ever. It's too ambivalent to even taunt those trapped behind it. It is the cruel price of existence, Merle, and it is too horrible to bear once you've seen it. Existence, Merle, life, Merle, is horrible. To exist, to live, is horrible. And he kind of chuckles and realizes he got a little carried away there. I don't think I want to hang out with you anymore, John. I think I'm going to take off. And you can continue wallowing in your sadness and your oblivion and seeing nothing but the negative, and I'm going to go on my way. And I tell you what, if we ever meet each other somewhere in infinity, you can apologize to me and tell me you were wrong. He chuckles a little bit, and he he turns towards you and he says, I'm sorry you feel that way. You're the first person who I've sort of talked about this to who hasn't listened. There were... Everyone listened, Merle. I'm not being hyperbolic. Every person in the world was swayed. I don't know why you're different, but everyone else listened. Everything, everyone across our whole plane of existence. Our our shared vexation with life covered the world like a blanket. And soon every bird in the sky and every tree and every forest and every blade of grass and grain of sand shared our Fury, and it, it wasn't long before it changed us. And I think as he's talking, Merle, you see this scene outside, this constant orange sunset start to turn inky and black with these colorful ribbons of light that you've seen inside the hunger so many times. And he says, we changed our entire plane into something new altogether, a single being fueled by discontentment searching for something bigger than this existence, regardless of the cost. He turns towards you and he says, you call us the hunger. That's not entirely inaccurate because we are hungry. But it would be more accurate to simply call us dissatisfaction. But soon, and he holds up his hand and says, you will call us ascendant. Well, we'll see. John, thanks for the chess game. And kiss my ass, you sanctimonious bastard. He frowns and says, Huh, I feel sad. And he kills you. So we hear about this from Merle. And he tells us the whole thing. Well, I got bad news for everybody. 
Our arch nemesis is Morrissey. So that's, we have that to deal with now, apparently. John Morrissey we're fight, is our arch nemesis. Perfect. Um, I want to set up the next cycle, um, just so the ending isn't quite as pitch black, and also because I'm very excited about the next cycle. Um, so let's just set it up, and then we'll resolve it next time. Um, so the seven of you have been at this for, like, half of a century now. It's, this is cycle 47. And as bizarre as your journey has been, certain things about it are formulaic. Namely, your entry into a new reality has been the same nearly every time. You pass through the barrier between uh, realities. Your physical forms are sort of stitched back together on your specific places aboard the the Star Blaster. Um, You approach the 12 planes that make up this reality's planar system. You lower down into the prime material plane, and then you wait for the light to fall. Your entry into Cycle 47, though, is immediately different. Um, As soon as you cross the threshold, during that crossing, in fact, you are assailed by this just deafening, incomprehensible noise. It is um, harsh and cacophonous, and after a few minutes, you kind of pick it apart, and you realize that what you heard wasn't just one noise. It was a ton of noises all sort of playing on top of each other. And after talking about it for a while, you sort of pick apart that you heard like dozens of songs and symphonies and poems and um, folk tales being told. For some reason, as soon as you entered this plane, something projected all of these like compositions into your mind at once. And after a while, they all settle and your team is a bit shaken. Was there anything in the noise that you like picked out that like kind of stood out to you? Again, like it can be, any anything it was songs and stories and poems what did you you hear that like stuck out in your mind um well as as i think everybody knows um Bangus's, um love of animals and um you know his his heroic start defending a dog so he hears a haunting melody about dogs that have escaped and the cry that went up from across the town of who let all these dogs escape where have these dogs gone who did this who who, right. who, who? I'm and sorry I asked. It's haunting. It's terrifying. Just the sheer panic in the people's voices as they call for who the who's the culprit? Who's done this terrible deed? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. I heard Cheeseburger in Paradise. Excellent. The live version? Mm-hmm. The live one? Not not the album. I saw Paul Bart 3. That's right. It's coming, folks. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I'll accept all those answers. So you lower down into this, this plane, and you find a world, and... It is scarcely populated. There are these huge barren patches of land that are just uninhabitable. But as you pursue the falling light of creation, you find a small continent that is lush and inhabited by several uh, sort of moderately sized kingdoms. And you follow the light to one of these kingdoms, and it is the kingdom of Legato. And uh, you lower down and you find the you are taken before the chancellor uh, of Legato, uh, who is a, a woman named Marlo. And she goes into some of the politics of, of this world and uh, they are largely uninteresting. Um, but you you learn a few things about this. Which world. we remark on. We comment you, on that specifically. <laughs> Um, what you learn about this world is that each of the major kingdoms in this world have conservatories where artists come to hone their craft. 
And these conservatories are extremely competitive. This is another world where um, there's not much military conflict to speak of. Everyone's just on their grind to be the best in their artistic field and create these great works for their kingdom. And the kingdoms and their conservatories are all sort of encircling this gigantic mountain at the center of, of this landmass. Um, and the other thing you learn when you're talking to Chancellor Marlowe, you bring up the light of creation and ask where it is. And she says, um, oh, yeah, sure. W- wait, how do you all know about the light of creation? How do you know? How do you know about the light? How do you know? Um, and she, she, uh, you're like in her office and she stands up behind, from behind her desk and she says, maybe it'd be easier if I just show you. Yeah. And she checks her calendar calendar and says, uh, well, oh, there's a submission scheduled for today. If we hurry, we can catch the tail end of it. And so Chancellor Marlowe takes you to the Legato Conservatory. And uh, it's just this big uh, circular compound with dormitories and um, stacks of uh, studios and performance halls and open-air museum spaces. Uh, and it's actually way more sophisticated and better upkept than the rest of the Legato Kingdom. It's like the the jewel in their crown. Uh, but nobody's here. Nobody's on this whole campus. And so Marlo leads you down this winding road down into a valley about a half mile from the campus towards this mountain. And as you approach uh, this this clearing at the end of the path right next to the mountain, you hear a piano. And as you turn the corner on this path, you see into this clearing, and there's a crowd of people all sitting in these white wooden chairs wearing their their Sunday best. And a young, nervous man is playing this remarkable piece on a large black piano that you're not really sure how they got down here. And standing behind him is an older woman. His um, and, and Chancellor Marlowe explains that's his, his professor. And she's turning his sheet music for him. And you all just stand there and take in this music, and it's incredible. And behind the stage where he's playing this music is the mouth of an enormous cave. And the music's just reverberating down this opening and all around the, the, the grooves of this valley. And when the song is over, the audience roars in applause, and Chancellor Marlowe uh, does as well. Um, are any of you particularly affected by, like, hearing a pretty song? Oh, or- Magnus is don't even... Don't even get started. Magnus loves music. He's crying his face off, but behind his cool guy shades, so you can't see it. Excellent. And the the student up on the stage and the professor behind him hug, and she gives him an affirming pat on the shoulder, and then takes up all the sheet music off the piano and rolls it up and seals it. And the man playing the piano takes this composition and bows one last time for the audience, and then very nervously walks towards the mouth of the cave and places the sheet music on a pedestal at the mouth of the cave. And there's just a silence over this crowd right now. Everybody looks really, really nervous. Um, Chancellor Marlowe, right next to you, you can hear her saying under her breath, she's saying, come on, come on, come on. It was good enough. Come on. And there is a light from the cavern, a flash of light that... Uh, uh, just consumes this pedestal with the sheet music on it, and there's a dull roar. And when the light clears, the sheet music's gone. And so is this song. You just, you can't remember it at all. You just heard it, and it was it was beautiful, and you heard it like a minute ago, but it's just gone from your mind. And the audience is just kind of standing, and they're looking expectantly in the mouth of the cave, and everyone's waiting, and this student next to the, his professor looks like he's about to have a breakdown. He's, he's hyperventilating. She puts a hand on his shoulder to, to calm him. 
And after about a minute or so of silence, there's another flash from the cave. And the song instantly returns to you. It, hit, it hits you almost like with physical force. And, and we see everyone in all the kingdoms and conservatories in this whole world, um, even the beings living in the other planes of reality, they all hear this song too now. And the audience just like loses its mind cheering. Uh, and Marlo cheers too. And she, she shouts, yeah, that'll show those forte fucks. Uh, and everybody's just like th- throwing their caps in the air. The student is like crying, just weeping with happiness. As this song is immediately implanted in everyone's minds in this whole world. And Marlo turns to you and says, well, that's the light of creation. Any questions? MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported. From the dawn of time, one podcast has unlocked the secrets of science and technology to enrich the lives of billions. And now, after a year where they've unlocked the golden age of knowledge, they're about to hit warp speed and go stratospheric. Wait, hold up. On Ono, Ross, and Carrie, we don't make extraordinary claims. We investigate them. We go undercover with fringe religious groups, investigate paranormal claims, and we participate in pseudoscientific medical treatments and then report our findings to you. And yes, we've even investigated Scientology. Shh, New episodes every month at MaximumFun.org. Ono, Ross, and Carrie. They show up so you don't have to. I'm Hal Lublin. I'm Danielle Radford. I am Michael Eagle. And we are the hosts of Tights and Fights, Maximum Fun's newest podcast dedicated to all things wrestling. We'll be talking about Sasha Banks, the women's revolution, Sasha Banks, the brand split, and Sasha Banks' wigs. And we'll also be talking about wrestler fashion. Some wrestlers wear too many clothes. Some wrestlers don't wear enough clothes at all. And I'll be doing impressions of all your favorite wrestlers. New episodes Thursdays on Maximum Fun or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, yeah, dig it. Tyson Bites Podcast. Tyson and